Welcome to About the Winelands. In this show, we will be chatting to leaders, influencers, wine producers, restaurants, and other role players. Tune in every Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday for your latest episodes. You will find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram TV, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. Hi everyone and welcome back to About the Winelands. Today I'm speaking to Fred Hart. Fred Hart is from uh, uh, Uncork SA. Welcome Fred to About the Winelands. Cheers, well thanks very much. Great to be here. No, it's my pleasure. How are you coping with this whole um, locked-in scenario? <laughs> well, it's rather interesting. We, we've just uh, added a new family member to the house. So we're fairly busy and full at home. Um, two kids and a newborn um and yeah and f- managing thankfully to continue working uh new space so busy um obviously very daunting to know that we might be running out of wine although i think oh. i might still be safe for a couple of years or so oh that might be i mean i just thought you have an impending disaster coming home but that, i'm just glad <laughs> to hear that <laughs> so talking about the wine as um tell us a bit about yourself your background and um, how you became involved with the wine industry Cool. Um, yeah, so, and I'm born and bred Durban, which is kind of the antithesis, I suppose, of, of premium wine and all things fine. Um, born and bred Durban, can't surf to save my life. I'm a glorious, I can fall off a surfboard like you can't believe, but certainly not one you can stand on. Um, born and bred there, and I've came down to the Cape in 2012 um, from a point of view, but I've always been a really big wine lover. Um, brought up in a family that loves wine and like really specifically some big, big Cabernet and big Bordeaux blends. Um, so as far back as I can remember, it's been a really important part of, of family and celebration and lifestyle. Um, strange enough, I can actually still remember the day that my father for the first time said to me, uh, it's my chance to go with the wine stewards or the sommelier and go pick a wine from the cellar myself. Um, it's things like that which obviously drew me to this industry that forms such a such an integral part of special moments and family celebrations. And from there on, it's just been a, a love love story, really. So you've been in the wine industry a lot. I mean, your dad was in the wine industry as well. It sounds like or in the restaurant. And that's my, my father. My father was actually he was he's a medical doctor, still is practicing in, oh. in Durban. Um, just passionately in love with wine. Um, okay. I think that he's very much been brought up and that, you know, in the old days, it was still very much acceptable to have a medical reps drop off a bottle of wine to say thank you for support and service. And so many of these wines actually came from, you know, gifts from these, uh, these amazing people who used to work with my father. Um, yeah, so we, we just fell in love with the product. And I think the, the, the living nature of it made it just appealing and really romantic for, for us as a family to enjoy together. Awesome. So, uncork SA. How did that start? Uh, so, a bit of a strange one, really. I mean, uh, I, I always thought that I'd never be never be somebody to play around too much on social media. But what I realise is that I really enjoy all of this stuff. I really enjoy what I'm doing. I enjoy um, consuming and appreciating fine wine and and learning about it. I think that really is the most important thing. But I found my my taste and appetite for all things fine was working faster in my memory. Um, so to be honest, when I when I opened Uncork SA for the very first time, the intent was um, to really store and keep a memory bank of all the products that I enjoyed. Um, so it wouldn't be everything I tasted. It would be the things that I thought, you know, one day I'm going to go back and pick this up again. Um, I'm going to stock this in my cellar. And I'm going to, you know, keep keep track of what I really enjoy. 
and from there it kind of just grew fairly organically um uh, to be honest uh, and very unexpectedly as well uh, well how long ago did you start it was probably three three and a half years ago um okay. at that stage i was working in the wine industry so i had the pleasure of working with one of the largest liquor suppliers in in south africa for for many years um, i'll say many years in context eight 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 or nine years um, and it was really that space where I was able to, you know, the, my passion for wine and spirits was able to develop further, uh, become more than just, a, you know, a sideline interest, but become um, something that was keenly aware of and I wanted to further advance my skills on. Um, so as, as I kind of began from 20, uh, 2018, uh, probably say 2018, the beginning of 2018, I started it. Um, and within within two or three months, it, had, you know, it started clocking up a reasonable following. And I don't think I really kept track of how many people were engaging and how many people were talking or how many people were following. It was never really that, that exciting for me, but it felt like other people became interested in that. Um, and obviously it's just snowballed and the amount of time I invest in there uh, just really started picking up as well. So I'm interested, right? Um, and so this is now your full-time profession. It's not just a side hobby. No, so it, it is still very much a side hobby. I've, okay. I have left, um, left the lick industry directly. Um, I now work in, in a data science world and customer data science. Um, oh. So I've left directly that space, although what I've realized is there's still a keen interest. It, always, it has always really revolved around people. So even what I'm doing now is still in the same, in the same token. Um, what, I, what has happened is since leaving the lick industry, I've been able to really stretch out my wings a little bit further and uncork. Um, and start digging deeper into the area that I'm passionate about. Um, but that being said, it's still a sideline. Um, what it means, I suppose, for Uncork in general is that it still remains a, a really 100% authentic um, recommendation site. Um, I have been really fortunate to, to have something else that drives, that drives my income, which means that I don't, you know, it's never really about charging or making money. It's the purpose of Uncork has never been a financial gain. It's really just about you know, indulging my own curiosity for things that are luxury. So Uncork itself, I mean, I know you've got quite a big social media um, following, but um, is it, your blog um, is basically your, your, your real passion, right? Is that what I understand it correctly? Is that, I mean, what other places do you have, you know, we actually do reviews and stuff like that besides your blog, or is your blog the, the main thing? Yeah, so and really, Instagram is probably the you know the primary presence holder of Uncork. It was, it mm -hmm. I suppose, it was really designed that way. Um, I found okay. the visual appeal of of Instagram good. Um, it meant that uh, it aligned very much to what I was trying to do with Uncork when it started developing. As I started crafting, where I where I felt that it should uh, go, and as, actually as I was guided by other people who follow and talk to me about it, there was some visual appeal in what was being presented on Uncork. And more importantly, it helped to kind of declutter and uh, kind of remove some stigma and overcomplication in the wine industry. You know, a great visual, um, a quick description of wine and, you know, a personal uh, view on rating. Um, people seem to respond to very well. So I tried a few different avenues in the beginning. Um, I tried to play a bit more on Facebook for, for a while and, you know, I toyed around on Twitter. And whilst it's presence on both but what i'm finding is you know i don't get to i don't get to decide myself where uncork goes um, there's a community that that choose yeah. where it goes to by how they engage with the content and the more they like and talk and, and you know want to want to explore different areas um, the easier it is for me to understand and i love the fact that is it is very much a community and 
Um, I, I almost, you know, love the idea that social media is not a, you know, it's, it's not just about sitting behind a screen and being a separate person. There's a very social element attached to it. Um, and people sometimes forget that. Yeah, social media gets a bad rap because people don't understand it, but it's ultimately, it's just a platform for, for distributing content, whether you're phoning people or doing it on social media or talking to people over, over a glass of wine, it's exactly the same thing. It's engagement, right? And if you're engaging, um, 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 it, your platform um, works and, and like you said the platform is decided by where people want to engage and um, I'm yeah, finding in, absolutely. we're finding in our business that um, I mean although I think most of your big wine estates and stuff their the Facebook presence are still bigger than the Instagram presence that's changing and worldwide your, your, your social media presence is slowly moving over actually not slowly it's fast moving away from Facebook to Instagram. It was one of the areas that I did consider. I mean, uh, thankfully, having some, some kind of background in the industry and having a bit of a bit more statistical support in what I do now, there's a very clear understanding of what is coming. And I believe that Instagram was a future for choice. Um, whilst it didn't start that way, I think hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, I'll pat myself on the back and say it was <laughs> a well-grounded decision, although it was probably a fluke chance, to be honest. Um, I do find that this that the platform itself is is the right space for me to be playing in, as like I say, specifically around you know removing some complication. And um, the other the other areas I keep I maintain. So there is still Facebook presence, there's still a Twitter presence, and it's there, but it never really is something that would be a core focus um, for Uncork. Last couple of months we've launched a website. Um, the website is purely carrying some of the content from social media, and eventually will engage in a more active blog. Um, and hopefully that will become a way of storing some of the reviews in a way that's easier to search and find and explore because obviously Instagram doesn't really allow some of that functionality. Yeah, the, the search uh, functionality easy. is not there, right? But but um, yeah. what, I, what I'm interested in is are you are you going to are you expanding into IGTV into Instagram TV as a as a medium? Are making maybe longer type videos and and putting that onto onto that part of the platform or not? So I've, I've done one or two. Um, the purpose, I, I suppose, Uncork has always been a pretty faceless uh, portfolio or profile. Um, and intentionally, so I suppose people would much rather look at a glass of wine than my mug, um, which I totally get. Um, it's never really been about me and I never intended to be. So where there's, where there's a really exciting way to express what's going on in the world of wine or with a winemaker, um, I certainly explore there. What I have done is a few, a few fantastic pour shots. Um, uh, I've got some exceptional, really exquisite decanters and they do so well in slow-mo, slow-mo pause that I've once in a while I do those, that to, yeah. to share. And, and those are loads of fun. It's, uh, it's always a bit challenging trying to get somebody to hold the camera steady and I'm trying to, obviously I'm really amateur in the way, the way that it's set up. So I do, do the best we can. And my kids are starting to get involved in you know, kind of telling me, oh, dad, dad, don't forget to take a photograph of, of this drink. <laughs> you mustn't, mustn't forget it. So um, yeah, it's a bit of a family affair at the moment. Well, if you can have fun, right, why not? So Absolutely. what I want to know from you is, your, I mean, I'm going to put you on the spot here, but what's your favorite wine and wine region? Yeah, this this is a really a really tricky one. Um, <laughs> I suppose anybody anybody would answer this in the same way. It's like choosing your favorite child, and uh, it, it's almost impossible to do. But what I can talk about is things that are really impressing me at the moment. Um, and one of which is not not so much a fad. It must be about two and a half years ago. I tasted um, Eric Umeira's wines for the first time. Uh, really fortunate to have met up. Uh, with her partner and have a conversation um, and tasted, tasted her 2015 Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, mm-hmm. 
it is still without a doubt you know one of one of my favorite sa wines that i've put to my lips um really an impressive wine and across their entire range there are a few others that that um, really stick their heads up um, from as a varietal point of view, I think Sinso is really interesting at the moment. Um, lots of cool developments there, although probably a bit more faddish. Um, I don't know if it's going to be as sustainable as other. But yeah, tricky, tricky to pick to pick a region. It really depends on a combination of things. I I really am all about relationships and um, and the producer and the story and the way in which they they treat wine, um, which is probably what has you know really taken me taken me back with Erica's wine. Um, but because it's on my doorstep, Stellenbosch really does have a very close place to my heart. Uh, I, it, it's the style of wine that I enjoy. It's, you know, really focused on big and bold profiles. Um, that, that I, I, and most of the wineries that I tend to stock up on um, happen to be in this area. And in the short term, I've I found a lot of interest, a lot of interest coming up in, in the Elgin region. Um, it's obviously, you know, picking up and always it seems to be on the up and up. Um, uh, cool wine is just something that uh, I just find the sophistication around it fantastic. Um, and yeah, there are a couple of couple of wineries up there that I'm starting to to explore a bit more, uh, get a bit more time with as well. So the whole tourism area in that area is developing a lot. You know, you have almost like an agritourism up there that's that's starting to develop um, um, with your wine and also other stuff stuff happening. Yeah, I, I think the diversity that we offer in the Cape. Is just exceptional. Uh, you know, previously it may have been a really finite approach to you know, a few smaller wine regions you're going to. Um, There's absolutely no doubt, and I'm hearing more and more. And again, not really my view, but people who I interact with really often saying, you know, they, when they come to the Cape, they don't even they don't even visit the side of the mountain. They go up over the hill into the Elgin Elgin region, Himmel and Arda, and go and explore there. That is just their thing. The wines that are there are exceptional for them. They have great relationships with wineries. Um, and I'm finding it's just there's diversity, and then look at that in comparison to you know Swartland, head out to Riva Castile and see what's being done on that side. We just have just the most remarkable wineries um, and and regions to explore, and I don't think anybody has enough time to get to them all. Um, but what a privilege to be able to to explore them, you know, even if it's just through a glass. You know um, what? Lots uh, of people don't understand what we have here in South Africa. I mean, I'm um, to understand that you really need to go explore some of the wine regions in the rest of the world, and then you realize that what we have here in terms of, you know, the total offering, in terms of how you are greeted on um, in the whole um, um, winelands, how you are, you know, how it's presented, the tourism and everything that goes with it is yeah. really unique in the world. Yeah, and that's uh, you know such a big part of Uncork, and 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 I said earlier that you know the purpose of this has never really been to to make money. This is not a it's not a personal story to tell. Um, yeah, the core behind Uncork is really about telling a story of craftsmanship through the lens of producing you know great wines and spirits in our country. It's all about talking about people who are doing exceptional things or making exceptional things, um, and you know my only hope is that it inspires somebody to get in a plane and fly here or get in a car um, and get out and go and see a winery and taste something unique just try something different um, obviously when it's again possible uh, it, it, i hope that in some way there's if there's one or two people that are inspired to do that it feels like it could be a win for for uncork and hopefully for the wine industry do you ever get the wanderlust to actually also maybe do the opposite you yourself getting on a plane and flying to other wine regions of the world and and, and writing about them a bit or is this not really something you're interested in? Uh, absolutely and I, there's and i've been really fortunate to have to have sample wines sent from a few other countries uh, some really interesting stuff and some some not always so great um, <laughs> looking just for a favorable review i'd, I'd say 
Um, I, I did. I had the privilege last uh, was it last year to travel through to uh, to Bordeaux and spend a bit of time um, over a couple of days exploring. It also is never really enough to to explore the entire region. And yeah. coupled with that, I actually spent uh, spent a week or so in Scotland wandering through the um, through some of the whiskey distilleries as well. So um, yeah, and there's no doubt those are absolutely wonderful trips. I think they tend to be once in a lifetime trips, particularly with uh, with family. Uh, when we go on holiday, we head east to Indonesia and find ourselves on a beach really quietly sipping back on something a little less sophisticated. Okay, awesome. So one of the things is, Fred, obviously, you know, Uncork is almost, you know, becoming like a, a you know, a, a influencer in the wine industry. So I would think that sometimes it's to, to a winery's advantage if, if you can write something about them or review them or whatever. So if, if somebody's listening from from a wine estate and they want to get your attention. Um, how did they get you to actually drive a bit further than Stellenbosch maybe, or maybe go to a place you haven't been to and, and get your attention to come to, you know, taste the wines and write something about it? I think the first thing, I almost, I almost cringe at the, the they don't have to bribe word you, influencer. I know exactly why it exists <laughs> and, and how it's worked. <laughs> the starting point is I hope that wineries see it as a channel. This is just another space that you can use to market your brand. And, you know, uh, please, I have great, great friends who are involved in, in social media and, you know, they work this as a career. I hope they see this as a valuable channel that doesn't have cost attached to it in, in real terms. Um, you know, up the phone uh, my, my numbers on most of most of the social media channels and um, there's an email address online drinks at uncork.co.za and um, the email address or through any of uh, dm me on, on instagram is probably the, the easiest way to get it really um, send a message start a conversation what i can tell you what you're not going to get sent back to you is a rate card and a generic response that says how to get now this is this is supposed to be a way for hopefully allowing me to explore more of the windings um, and hopefully for yourself, a way of getting your products exposed to, to more people. Um, there obviously is you know, one or two caveats to it. Um, I don't charge anything for exposure on Uncork, and I never intend to do it. Mm -hmm. um, what it does mean is that I'm grateful to receive samples. You know, the generosity of the industry is, is really vast. Um, the samples always come at risk. And I, and I said really clearly, I focus on the good. Um, if I taste something and it's not to my liking, I don't, you'll find, you know, very few ratings on, on a page are, you know, in the low 80s and nothing, nothing below. And it's purpose driven that I understand every product's got a profile and every profile has got a product. Um, if it doesn't suit me, it, it doesn't do anything for, for a supplier to slate it. Um, I'll talk generously about the things that I really enjoy. And I think people who follow, follow and cork who align to my profile, hopefully will pick it up and enjoy it as well. Um, but yeah, and I suppose the quick answer is pick up the phone, start a conversation. Um, I love chatting to people who are, um, you know, you're just interested in knowing what's going on. Never mind, you know, the exposure you get, great. Um, I don't do contracts. I don't do agreements. Uh, I do a phone call, a chat, a conversation. And that's, you know, that, that is really what it is. It's who I am as a person and it's how it's translated into Uncork so, as well. I, I think, um, I mean, I've, I've had quite a few people, you know, quite a few um, um big wine estates have conference facilities and that and and what they do and i think this is where we where, where wineries can and they would go to conference professional conference organizers and maybe invite them to come to the and, and visit on a quiet weekend and experience what they can provide right and i think this is what i think what i would i would think that the winery should do is actually invite somebody like you for a lunch or a pairing or something 
at their own cost and, and, and that, you, that you enjoy it and then write your review from, a, from, a, from that perspective as a, you know, invited customer type of thing. Yeah. So in, in many of the cases, that's how it does translate um, with Uncork. So the ability to get out to a winery, um, you know, I, I I don't necessarily always plan very well in advance, well as as you would have you would have seen um, being at the mercy of all these children and a really busy work life. <laughs> um, I sometimes and I'm able to to kind of plan weeks or months in advance. But that being said, I've, we've had some really good experiences. I remember in a trip to Franchuk where we we were really blown away. And thankfully, as a family, I think this this journey is is a personal one but the impact is felt on a family who you know i'm conscious of of what it does to them if i'm running about tasting tasting wonderful wines all over and they don't get to be a part of it and um, so i ask you know ask for anybody who's who's interested be considerate of what you know what the lifestyle it creates um on on the side not just of myself but anybody you're reaching out to um, uh, I suppose that is why some some others may ask for financial support because it kind of you know, replicates part and parcel of what they do for a living. Um, the the askers you know reach out, let's chat, and I'm fairly open, and honest about what I can and can't do. Um, you know where it's possible to to involve family, and you know in some cases there's some wineries that it just is not, um, and that's also okay. Um, and the last part, you know, the other part which is really really exciting is that about four months ago we opened up a donation site on paypal which is really it's not so much directed at producers uh, it's a combination of producers and followers um, okay. and it's called buy and cork a drink um it's 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 a really small entity it's like a kind of a five dollar anybody's interested um kind of small than and strange enough that is just ticked over in a very small way some of the producers are grateful afterwards for exposure and you know drop $15 or a $10 in and say thanks thanks very much you know this is for you to go and buy something um, which you know I appreciate it actually if nothing else maintains a bit of interest and it's a if it also gives me an excuse to stock up the cellar with more wine I suppose so so talking about that you know I'm, I'm interested in how this influencer industry develops you know um, you know when I started hearing about Instagram influencers um, um, in the beginning, I was always thinking of girls in bikinis um, selling fashion accessories and makeup, right? But but with this type of thing, you can't just you know you can't just rely on 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 images and stuff like that. Surely you have to provide some value. So if you had to give somebody that wanted to become an influencer some advice, what would you say? Would you know what does it take to become a successful in, influencer in the wine industry? Cool. So and I think the starting thing is just pick anything that you're passionate about. So um, be, it, be it wine or natural wine or a specific region or you know, focus on South African wine, focus on a, a style of wine or what you're trying to track. The, the starting point is if you're not passionate about wine, don't start here at all. And it seems maybe like a, a bit of a negative statement, but it's really difficult to, there are loads of people who come in and try and leave and often the case is that you have to be so passionate about this that you almost can't stop. Um, so there is maybe the first thing is if you pick, pick the thing you're passionate about, if that is wine, fantastic. What a pleasure to, to have a, you know, a new influencer on, on board. The second thing is try to understand what your purpose is. So once, once you know that wine is definitely your passion, what is the purpose of you know, what you're trying to do? Are you trying to you know, bring new people, young people into drinking wine? Um, are you trying to, you know, 
demystify some of the complexities that are created around wine, get people to try new or different varietals or, or strange regions. I think understanding some of this may also, um, may also just help to make sure that your market is really finite, but also that your content is then aligned to what, what they're doing as well. And to be honest, it's something that I've learned in the, Un the Uncorked journey is that for a long time, I wasn't really too sure how some of these spirits and, and wines already tied together. So I didn't start with a really big plan, which is probably my last piece of advice. Don't plan to start and then just, you know, you kind of plan yourself to death and actually never get your first piece of content going. Just start and let your community evolve where you're going to and how that direction changes. Um, it, it felt that in the beginning, it was kind of anything I could get my hands on to taste, I would taste and talk about. And then it, it evolved into, you know, let's start being more finite about things that display craftsmanship. So what is the, you know, what is the criteria that I'd use for craftsmanship is that, it's something that a producer stands wholeheartedly behind saying, I'm proud of producing this. And to be honest, some products are produced in a way to say, I'm not, you know, this is just a, I'm producing this in order to scale that I can make something else. And others are, you know, standing so proudly behind their product. Um, and that's obviously what I've started chasing after for Uncork is really just you know, honing in on the craftsmanship elements of it um, and highlighting some of the characters behind the product. So, yeah, and I, I think if, if, if you're passionate about the industry and you understand what kind of role you're trying to fulfill, um, and then you allow your audience to direct you where you're going as opposed to, you know, standing back and trying to pre-plan everything up front. Um, I, I've, I've learned social media by um, learning by doing. And my personal profile, I think, was created um, six weeks before Uncork. <laughs> so <laughs> it, I, I, I had no expertise in this space at all. I think I fell into an uh, interesting space. I, I learned by doing. I made a heap of mistakes. I still make mistakes. I... Uh, I have friends all over the world who once in a while drop me a note and say, don't forget, you, you know, you spelt this wrong, go and change your copy. And I just leave it because that is kind of authentically who I am. You know, there, there are a few mistakes here and I'm not expert perfect in way to get some traffic, right? Make a spelling mistake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a pleasure. All I need to do is get the numbers <laughs> wrong and then I'll, I'll be on uh, YouTube and News, News 34. Um, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's strange enough. It's because I believe that I'm actually just a person who loves wine. I don't have any of the you know, funny acronyms that follow my name. I, I'm you know, really impressed by people who've, who've dedicated their life to studying in wine. My, my experiences in the number of bottles I've tasted, the people I've met, and the feeling I have when I consume a, a product. Um, now I have some structure behind how I taste the taste and rate product, but it's, um, it's certainly, I, I, I wouldn't put myself up against a Greg Sherwood or you know, a, a, these, these super, super effective reviewers and say, I'm, I'm on their level. I certainly am not. But learning by doing, that's really as. So I like that idea of, you know, just do it. Because obviously with wine, there's no downside. If you just taste it, there's no, there's no downside to this. But the other thing is that, you know, what, you, what makes me excited about what you're saying is, is, you know, the old winelands and the, the story of wine and everything, it's a storytelling journey. And it seems to me that there are not enough people telling the story of the winelands. And a lot of those stories actually go by the wayside. And it's great that somebody is more interested in the people and the story and the experiences rather than all the technical technicalities, because they, that's covered so many times. But the actual human yeah. aspect and the stories about the winelands is something that needs to be documented, actually. Yeah. So I, I'm hoping that that is what, that is really what comes through is that there is, um, everybody says there always must be an agenda behind it. The reality is that the, the, the only agenda behind Uncork 
is to spark interest or curiosity for somebody in the world of, of, the, of the products that I enjoy, of the South African wine and the tourism industry that surrounds it, um, you know, spirits, uh, the producers that we have around there. It is, it is so appealing to me that I just want other people to know about it. I feel like I'm walking around, tapping people's shoulders, saying, don't forget to look at how amazing this stuff is. Um, taste our product, buy our product, put it in your cellar. And I bet you now all those people are saying, I wish I'd listened to Uncork. I should have bought all this wine and put it in my cellar because I'm sure they're going dry. Exactly. And now you're coming to the, to the important thing. So, I mean, the coronavirus has forced, has forced basically everyone to rethink their business models, right? So, do you have any changes or new ideas in mind or uh, maybe even for, for um, um, wine producers? I mean, it's not for, for Uncork itself. What are your thoughts about this industry, the marketing, um, your own business? You know, just you must have been thinking about all of this while sitting there sipping your yeah, at least you have a stash that you can sip, right? So that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's no doubt this is this has shaken the industry completely. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm of the opinion that in some of some of the decisions made are going to really have detrimental effects on you know, the, the businesses, um, you know, beyond just wineries, right through the value chain, um, in the hospitality industry, and all. I, I think what what it is going to do is it's going to start propping up a few opportunities for people to really start partnering where there's mutual benefits interest um, uh, maybe just to put that in context i think that you're going to find more and more wineries and and possibly restaurants working together closer together where the benefit is not so much about how can you make my business grow but how can we work together to make sure your winery is profitable successful and my restaurant is in the same space mm -hmm. and i really am hoping that that is going to be um, going to be something that that is the fruit that comes out of all the pain that we're going through now the other part is I think that we might get a swing in some localization. So possibly yeah. local restaurants supporting local wineries, even more so than what they do at the moment. Um, uh, I think general feeling is that we want to make sure that people in our community are eating and drinking and their kids are going to school. And how better can we do that than actually supporting their own businesses? Um, and maybe the last thing, I think just innovation. Uh, it's for me amazing to watch all these digital wine tastings and it's not just here i mean winemakers doing tastings across the globe of their product um, as it's available some winemakers are only able to do that because you know their wines aren't obviously being able to be sold locally um, but people are starting to engage more with the stories through social media and i'm really excited to see one of the changes that you know the not necessarily the investment in money but the investment in time that that the manufacturers are putting uh, into into social media is fantastic because this isn't a money this isn't a money area spending more money in social media is not the answer spending more time um is and i'm glad to see that that's where it's going to more more winemakers are have been on social media that i've seen in the last three weeks um, than i've probably seen since the start of of uncork um, and it's probably a bit uncomfortable at first, but I think that after three weeks of doing it, they seem to be really comfortable in front of a camera and understanding which angles work well and which ones don't. I think that's right. And I think also that will, I think the next step um, beyond that is that people will see that people want to consume online content. Like you say, it's, mm -hmm. it's not about spending money, it's about creating engaging content in, in, in stories. But also I think another area that's not been tapped yet is actual um, education. I think people will be hungry to learn more and um, um, it's easy to learn this type of stuff, um, you know, with, with I think online courses and that type of stuff in the wine industry is also going to grow. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think I think in general, the, the ability to adopt technology is just uh, leapfrogged. 
Um, you know, there's sometimes they, at the moment we're just not presented with any alternatives. So what what you do with spare time if you're at home and you're not able to work, um, and you're passionate about this industry, you you know you log onto the internet and you find something to read about, a new article, uh, you go and listen to a winemaker talking, or you go and invest in you know, actual qualifications. I I think there yeah. is there is going to be a birth of a whole new style, and I don't I think it's been there. I think the adoption rate is just going to be significantly greater um, in, in the months and the years to come because I think that the idea of returning to what was normal is far-fetched. I think we're going to return to a very different normal than what we expect. I agree with you. I think, you know, like you say, it's just the process was there anyway. It's just been accelerated. But I think the other important thing that you mentioned is locality, right? I think because of the whole, um, I mean, the whole worldwide tourism industry is going to take a knock. So local tourism is going to be the first to bounce back. So people are going to be forced to, 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 to provide also, I think, pricing. And for for not for international tourists, but pricing for the local market in terms of the old tourism yeah. experience is going to be important. Uh, absolutely, and there, you know, it's it's where we talk about these, you know, these part of genuine interest partnerships where all people involved have got to, have got to win. You know, some of these venues will not will not survive without local tourists supporting in the next, you know, the next twelve months, and hopefully we'll start gearing things in in all ways. But for a restaurant to do that, for you know, a hospitality establishment to do that, they also need the support of the you know, really right at the supply chain. You know, who's who's mm-hmm. providing them what product and how are they? What role are they playing to make it more more effective as well? So it is. Is this this genuine you know this, this partnership that needs to be created and i'm hoping that you know this is one of the areas that i hope uncork will will benefit um and certainly start focusing on is the role that we can play in making sure people are aware of you know where there is um, you know where, where the companies companies that are struggling where the companies that are succeeding what kind of partnership opportunities exist and what role people can play in, in joining together um uh, it, it's, just, it's just such an important part, and it's sad for me every time I, you know, open up and I see a story of a business closing. It really feels like it's a personal, a personal stab, um, and and I'm hoping that in some way we can inspire one more person to walk into that store and talk about it, and you know, kind of elevate elevate the opportunity that people have to to keep their businesses open. I, I totally agree with you. So your vision for Uncork um, um, after all of this and then going forward, what do you, what, do, what, where do you see yourself going and growing with this? Strange enough, and the I think the Uncork journey is is about diversification this in, into different platforms. So I think the 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 we are at the moment we're moving to focus a bit more on on a blog um, and get the website up and running. Um, I've also started expanding out a little bit outside of Uncork. So um, I've started a new page called Crafted in Africa. Um, actually, funny enough, at the start around about the start of lockdown. Um, I've realized that some products don't naturally fit into the uncork world, um, which really is tending towards focus on premium wine and, and spirits sporadically. Um, Crafted in Africa is really honing in specifically on products that are produced locally only. Um, it tends away from sophistication of wine and talks to probably a younger, a younger audience. Um, and also refers to, you know, quite a big focus on the craft brewing industry, which I think is, um, you know, really in a really uh, a tough state, I think, at the moment, um, not necessarily battling through some scale. Um, I've also, you know, worked outside of that into another site called Family Friendly, which is talking more to, you know, the environment where, where parents and children are both welcome. In fact, where parent, where kids are welcome, but parents can also come. 
Um, so probably playing around the peripheral of, of Uncork without losing, you know, the, the really essence of, of Uncork, which I still need to, you know, continue so, to drive a message is around this, um, this curi curiosity to just to, to explore, explore craftsmanship and what, what we can deliver here. Um, almost like a type I'm of hoping that tourism, right? Yeah, I, I, so I've, I've, I've done a, a little bit and I've, I've tried to work with, with some local hotels, restaurants, and, and that is really something that, that whilst, I, whilst I'd like to do, it's only where, where it comes across as authentic. Uh, mm -hmm. The limitation of always is I don't get to define where Uncork goes. Um, I talk about the ideas in my mind, but the reason why Craft in Africa has, has popped up as a sideline is that whilst I've tried and I've tried to explore different passions through Uncork, the reality is the community who follow Uncork um, have clearly called it that's not you know it doesn't fit into what they want to see and therefore it helps to branch out elsewhere and i'm excited about that because i don't have because there's no agenda personally it allows me to really explore um to really explore what people want and deliver that um but yeah i, I am kind of hoping that in the really long term this may be a space for me to fall back fall back on in you know later on in life and expand more to how i can use this to focus on tourism um, at the moment, uh, like anybody who reaches out and asks for advice, you know, which winery should I go and see? Which region? I'm coming to South Africa. Um, can you please give me an itinerary of what I need to do? I'm here for three weeks. Um, you know, it's a really daunting task, but it's, mm. it's lovely. And if um, just to be able to chat to them at this stage, it's purely to help somebody out. Um, who knows? Maybe in 15 years time, I'm going to need to rely a bit more on Uncork for, you know, for different kind of means. Um, at this stage, it's a passion, it's a hobby. I hope to live it out uh, as best as I can. And I hope just to bring more people on board who want to learn more about our product. Um, oh, awesome. So tell me your wine journey. Let, let me ask you this. What is the most important thing you learned from your wine journey so far? Um, so you spoke about stories earlier. I'd go one step further. That the, the most important aspect of any um, of any journey that I've been on, both wine and spirits has been revolved purely around relationships. Um, and I can't express this um, enough. It may be more what I've learned in the social media world than wine, uh, but it translates really closely into what, what I've um, done with Uncork. Um, it is all about relationships. Uh, you know, I've seen really big businesses make offers of you know almost obscene amounts just you know for exposure you know we'll send you this and we'll send you this is what we pay for it and you either take it or leave it and you know the response is always from us i leave it i have no interest whatsoever um, in doing this what what i've worked with from the start is um, a producer picks up the phone or drops me a dm and says hey yeah, have you heard of our product? Are you interested in trying it? Um, we'd love you to come out to the estate if you can. If not, you know, can you give us an address to send through a sample? Um, these and it doesn't end there. When I if I do taste, I actually want to hear from them. I want to hear what they thought, what they thought about the wine, what they thought about the vintage. Um, and when I say it all revolves around relationship, it's because it is impossible to unlock that story without a true relationship. Um, the story that you get is a marketing story unless it's told by somebody who's intimately involved with it. Um, and I, you know, I think there's, there's nothing better than, for me than hearing you know, Batatu talk about Altu, um, about a specific vintage and how he remembers how hot it was for you know, walking up and down through the vineyards. There, there's nothing, yes, you can read about the rainfall in that year and somebody will tell you statistically whether it was a hotter or a colder year than the other. Um, but walking through the vineyard talking to him about it or hearing him talk about it, it just fundamentally changes the, the experience. And that's when you actually live the story. The story is translated from something written down to something that you feel. 
Um, and so, you know, actually it's, it's really advice I'd say to people who are toying around with exploring social media as a brand is don't be fooled into the idea of thinking that you just pushing content out and hoping it's going to get consumed like a TV advert. You've got to consider this as a conversation that you're starting with somebody. The simplest one is you know, somebody walks, walks up to you at the office and says, Hey, you know, you look, you look really nice today, or those are really cool shoes. Um, and then they just turn around and walk away and don't say anything back. For me, social media is sometimes interpreted, particularly in bigger brands, sadly, um, that's how it's lived out. You know, they put out a wonderful advert of beautiful imagery and the most, you know, a huge expense uh, put into how to make a product presentable. And then I watched people commenting and saying, hey, this looks absolutely amazing. Where is the estate? And you know, months go by and nobody mm, responds no to answer. it. Like you've just had all the options. You spend all of this money and effort getting people there that love what you're doing. And then when they talk to you, you turning your back and ignoring them. It feels to me like it's one of those old high school movies. And it's the, you know, the quarterback turning around and walking away from, um, mm. from somebody talking. It just feels that you've missed all, like what, what social media, the heart of it really is. But I think that's a misunderstanding because, you know, most, most marketing people are still um, trained in traditional marketing methods of um, traditional radio, TV and, and, and uh, you know, magazine advertising or the traditional advertising um, type of thing where you don't in, you actually put put an ad out there and you hope people will call you whereas with social media you know you, as you just said it's all about engagement with your with your you know it's actually yeah. talking to people and that's what people don't get they, they 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 focus on the media part instead of the social part absolutely and you know the more premium your product um the less important i'd say it is to focus on the metric um, yeah, it's, it's one of one of the areas that we often see like these statistics come through about the engagement percentage rates and yes those those are you know, really important i suppose you, you have to consider them and they, they are important to know particularly if you're spending money in the space you know what you're getting back for it but if you're an ultra if you're an ultra premium wine and, you, and i said you're selling you're selling a bottle of wine for 600 rand a bottle you don't need to have 3,000 people seeing your advert and 1,000 responding to it and commenting on your on your post what you need is you need somebody who absolutely loves what you're doing, who's engaging with you consistently, and you know what? They're willing to put in the money to go and pick up your product and buy it. You need to focus on which one of those engagements out of all of the, the, the pools that come in, which are the ones that are really critically important. Um, and the only way to do that is to respond to the conversation. And yeah, I, I agree with you about the traditional media components. I think so many people are trained on um, the, the old school way of marketing and please, it's been really successful. And, and, and I've got to say, there's some wineries that have taken to the social media piece exceptionally well. In most cases, when the response comes back, it is generally from somebody who um, is intimately involved with social media from a different aspect and happens to be doing it for the winery as well. Um, or the alternative is that they're so intimately involved with the wine that they can't help themselves but spill the story in their conversation. It just comes, you know, the passion of what they do just literally comes through the words as they write. I love the, the romantic part. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's, it's the difference between having a sales orientation and having and building a long-term viable brand and loving your brand. And ultimately, if you want it to work, you, I, I will put money on it that where it works is where the owners of the farm or the owners of the estate are personally involved because they love their brand. Yeah, absolutely. Look, but, I think that there have been examples that I've seen of, of bigger of bigger corporate players and 
uh, what it always comes down to is an individual who takes personal yeah. ownership whether they happen to be an owner or they happen to be a, an employee when there is an individual who loves so much what they do um, that they can't help but behave like an owner and that is that's really where, where you have the ultimate win and to be honest from a corporate um, they get the best benefit of it individuals who behave that way because they're behaving as you know the owner mentality is just so important but that works in all aspects of management managing a business not just in the marketing right absolutely so Fred, so I, the last thing that i'd like to hear from you is um I, you need to give us your very own wine quote or your favorite wine quote so my very own one I'd, I'd struggle to create I mean, there's, there's so many amazing <laughs> quotes out there um but there is there's one which which comes to mind um which i'd have to steal and i wish i knew who who it was authored by um but it taps on two things which are really important to me so um yeah it goes like this right? wine is a little like love when the right one comes along you'll definitely know it that is a very good i actually love that one that's that i haven't heard it before so that that sounds it sounds like something that mark twain would say but, uh, it's, it's <laughs> it does right? sound like it's come straight out of a poet, a poet's yeah. mouth, right? Um, so, and and I'll tell you that this is this is no truer than the uncorked journey for me. It's uh, this it's been this feeling of falling in love with with wine and the industry, one glass at a time, and um, one conversation with a producer at a time. It's this evolution and a continuously growing journey. Um, I feel really privileged to have been a part of you know of of what this how this has developed. Um, and yeah, I, I just hope that there's there are wineries out there that are benefit, benefiting from it. Um, and those that would like to benefit or feel they could benefit, please reach out, have a chat, and let's see where it goes. Now, now that on that page, how did they get hold of you? Where do people find you? Well, so and the easiest, as I said, is probably um, is directly on Instagram at uncork underscore SA. Um, the alternative is to drop me an email at drinks at uncork.co.za. Um, or through any of the social media channels, uh, WhatsApp or email are both available there as well. Um, you'll be surprised that uh, you know every comment that comes through. So you don't need to send a DM; it helps. But uh, every comment that comes through on, on Uncork, um, I follow, read, you know, try to try to get involved with. And um, yeah, if if you struggle one way or other, please try a different channel. And at worst comes worst come worst, go straight onto the website www.uncork.co.za and leave us a comment there and it drops straight through to my mailbox as well okay perfect uh, we will leave all those links obviously in the show's uh, description everything fred it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you um thanks for spending awesome the time well. i know you are busy family man so um i appreciate it and um thank you awesome well and thank you very much for what you do for for the industry and the people that are involved with it as well um, it's a pleasure to be invited and certainly a, a privilege to to be a part of your journey as well. Thank you. Thank you for supporting our show. If you would like to get more exposure for your business, please have a look at our sponsorship options. Thanks again for supporting About the Winelands. Please follow us on YouTube and on our social media channels. All details and links are in the description.